Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Life Church, you guys. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jeff Young. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Carissa, and uh, it's just joy, joy having you guys all here this morning. Um, before I really get going, um, I would want to just first uh, just give a shout out to all the veterans in the house. I know there's some of you in here, so just give a shout out to the vets. Thank you uh, for your service and time. I, I, had the, I have the privilege of being a veteran myself, serving in the Navy uh, right out of high school. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a joy to link arms together with those who uh, not only have served, but also the families that have family members that have served as well. So just thank you. Appreciate it. And, and I really want to say, like, we, we are a privileged nation. But a lot of that is because of those who have served. And so I'm just really, really grateful and uh, just want to give a shout out to, to all those that have served. One young man in the back right there, too. So. <clears throat> We also come to Jesus too, right? And uh, I, I, we started a series last week called Let's Talk About Jesus. And um, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I think you can be normal and not weird when you talk about Jesus. Can anybody else with me on that? Just one. Just everybody else is weird. We're normal. I don't know what that says. I'm not sure. Uh, but the thing is, I, I, I want to, um, we did the series called Highlighting the Harvest. And I, I just have this sense in my spirit that, man, people are ready to respond to the love, the care, the compassion, the kindness of, of Christ. Um, but how will they know? How will they hear? It's got to it's gotta be us. You know, last week I shared the, the, the famous quote. Some people say it's Francis Assisi who said, you know, share the gospel and if necessary, use words. And I kind of like that. Because there's going to be a point when the Lord is really inviting you to use your voice and to use the story that God's put on your life to share with somebody else. And, and as believers, as ambassadors of Christ, an ambassador is someone who comes forth and shares and proclaims what's, what, what they're announcing. And so as ambassadors, we actually want to use our voice. And so as we do this, as we talk about this, we want to be able to have these conversations that, man, let's, let's make the, the Lord a normal part of our life. It reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter six. I would encourage you, if you're a parent, you need to read that. But it's like, hey, when you're with your kids, talk about the Lord. When you're at the table, talk about the Lord. When you're on a walk, talk about the Lord. Impress it on the hearts of your kids. And I just want to encourage you. Like, I know sometimes it's like, oh man, there's this, there's fear comes in. There's, there's trepidation that comes in and, and we kind of like clam up instead of strive forward. And, and a part of that is practice. A part of that is just making our lives like, hey, my life is connected with Jesus. 
and I want to talk about Jesus. I want people to know that I'm a man of God, that, that I would reflect Christ in every way so that when there's opportunity, I have, an, I have a chance to, to share my testimony, share, share what God's done in my life, to, to share my salvation story, to share the story of my friend who just shared, to share the story of my pastor who just shared. Somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak in the moment of need. And you never know what your words will do for somebody else. Can you imagine changing somebody's eternity with the story that God's given you? What else are we here for? Like that's mission. And if we wanna connect with Chico, if we wanna connect with Butte County and greater, it's gotta be us. It's gotta be us together, sharing the life of Christ together. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 11. Would you open there? Matthew chapter 11. Um, as, as the harvest is plentiful, as people are ready, as people need to hear and want to hear, people are saying they're very spiritual, but they don't have anything really connecting them to something spiritual. They're striving for something. I call them kind of a slippery fish. It's like people really want the things of God. They just don't have vocabulary for it. They don't have the story to come around side of it. They don't have another Christian or witness, somebody being an ambassador coming alongside and saying, let me tell you, about Christ. Let me tell you about the Messiah. Let me tell you about the one who came to save me and you, by the way. Let me share about this one and only God who put on human flesh for us. Let me share my story with you and watch and see what happens. So let's be people that talk about God. When, it, when it's challenging, when it's fearful, when you're a little bit in trepidation, here's what I want you to practice. I'm encouraging you to do this. I'm exhorting you. I'm kind of spurring you on. I'm kind of like, come on, church, we can do this. The church should be the safest place where we share a story. In, this, in the house right here with you people right here should be the very people that I could share. Man, God did a work in my life this week. I wanna, I wanna tell you about it. Or, or, you know, man, I was reading in the Gospels this week and Jesus' life just overwhelmed me. And I wanna, I wanna share that with you. And then we'd be a people that say, amen. Come on, let's go. Yes, I'm so proud of you. That's incredible that God's marking you, that God's putting his life in you, that, that he's moving you, that he's doing something in you, that we would encourage and equip and spur on instead of go, why isn't he doing that in my life? Can we be a people that encourage? Can we be a people that, hey, what is God doing? I wanna know what, what God's saying to you guys. I wanna know what the Lord's doing. I, tell me, I wanna be encouraged. Because man I, man, I don't know about you, but I have some low lows and I need somebody to pump up the tire and, 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 and build me up. And we do that together. That's why the body of Christ is so vital. That's, that you guys, one another, life groups, teams, all the things, <clears throat> it's vital that we would be able to practice and share our story with one another, that you'd be able to share your testimony in a life group. It's one of my favorite things for life groups to do. Hey, when you first get in a life group, hey, I know we're gonna do whatever curriculum, blah, 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 but I wanna know, what, how, how did you come to life church and how did you get to know the Lord? I wanna know that story because that story is marking and that story actually tells you a little bit more about your future as well, I think. And I want to do that together with one another. Uh, Paul says it this way when talking about your story. 
or those who do not know Christ. He says this in Romans 10, 14. I shared this last week. I'll do it again now. It says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching it to them? You know, you think preach and you think what I'm doing right now, but preaching is just proclaiming. Preaching is just sharing the good news of, of the gospel. It's just speaking out what God has done. It's speaking truths about, about the word of God. And I wanna encourage you, share with one another so that when you get into the lives of other people, you're not like freaking out, but it's normal. It's just, this is who I am. This is what God's done. It's, not, it's nothing to be fearful about. It's actually something to just keep on moving and say, hey, you wanna know more? Hey, I'm going this way, but man, I will talk with you any moment of the day. I wanna share with you what God's done in me. And then finally, I wanna encourage you, would you be a person of prayer? Like prayer is a big aspect, a big part of our obedience to the Lord and, and in our connection with the Lord. It's by no mistake that throughout the gospels, time and time again, Jesus withdrew from the crowds. He withdrew from the disciples so that he could, he could connect with the father all the time. And they had to go find him, right? They had to go hunt him down. And every time he was with the father, he needed to get the download from the father to know what he was supposed to do that day. So if we're not connecting in this way, how can I connect with those that really need Jesus? I, I wanna have both of these in mind that I'm connecting with the Lord here so that I might have the ability to connect everywhere else. So that's, that's just a big aspect of that. I wanna pray for opportunities. Like, Lord, in my workplace, man, I might, not, I might hate my job, but I can't say I hate the people at the job. And give me a heart for those people that I might have a voice into their life. And it can be the smallest thing. It can be the biggest thing. Whatever you want, Lord, I'm your vessel, so use me. So as we are about to approach the text in Matthew 11, I wanna remind us of Jesus' humanity because we're gonna look at Jesus in Matthew 11 and we're gonna see uh, how he was human, how uh, he put on flesh and, and how he responds and relates with those around him. And, and it's a really beautiful passage, but Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says this, for this reason, he, who is Jesus, had to be made like him fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are also being tempted. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in this room who's been tempted. Hebrews chapter four goes on to say that, you know, Jesus was tempted in every way and yet he didn't sin. So he put on flesh like you and I, so he could relate. Everybody say relate. So Jesus is a God that can relate with not only us, but also with those around us. So when I come to, to, to an opportunity to share the gospel or just share about the Lord or share about scripture or share something about the Lord, what the Lord's done to me or share, hey, I'm a person that goes to church. You know, that's a very basic, simple thing. But, but when I get to share those things, I come knowing that Jesus is so relatable. He's so relatable with the person in pain. He's so relatable with the person in depression. He's so relatable with the person that has high anxiety. He's so relatable to the, to the people who are just trudging through life. He, he gets it all. And so I can come and I can bring Jesus to the table in that manner. Here's a couple of attributes of Jesus' humanity. I know it's gonna be shocking, but he was loving. I know, can you believe it? He was caring. Uh, he was confronting. 
Uh, here's what I want to say about this. For those of you who have close relationships, confronting is, a, is an act of love. It is, it is actually, if you do not confront, it's actually seen as not love. You have to confront in love though, right? But if I don't confront, then I actually might be doing a disservice to that person and or my relationship with them. Jesus was seeking. He came to seek and save the lost. He was incredibly missional. He did not mess around, right? He was very, he knew what his task was in front of him. He was dedicated. He was serious, but he was also fun. He was strong and meek at the same time. He was thoughtful. He was comforting. He was encouraging. And oh, by the way, he was ordinary. The suffering servant passage in Isaiah 53, that's a messianic prophecy about Christ. Hundreds and hundreds of years, this is what it says. He says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Anybody relate with ordinary? Come on. <laughs> Amen. Like we can relate, you know, we can relate. Jesus was ordinary. And he came with that purpose. I love this so much. He was relatable. So Matthew chapter 11, I'm gonna read verses one through 11 in chapter 11. And then we'll share about John the Baptist and how Jesus responds to him. It says this, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Verse seven. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out and see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there there has not... Uh, risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In order to understand this passage clearly, we need to understand who John the Baptist was. And I want to give you a little bit of background before um, I, I share any more on, on this passage in, in and of itself, but we need to understand John. Um, in this moment, John is in jail. He's got a lot of disciples and he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him these questions. And, and before he got to, to jail and in this place of jail, John uh, was, he was the same age as Jesus, born only months apart. Uh, Elizabeth, his mother, was most likely relatives to Mary, Jesus' mother. Uh, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, uh, they came, they visited uh, Elizabeth and John while he was in the womb. And when Mary entered into the room, if you remember this story, uh, John the Baptist leapt inside of Elizabeth's womb. When Jesus entered into the room, the baby inside Elizabeth leapt with joy. That's phenomenal. So this is John the Baptist who knew Jesus before they were even born. 
relatives of Jesus, most likely Mary and Elizabeth were either cousins or Elizabeth was probably uh, Mary's aunt. That's most likely what was the case. Scripture says about John that he grew up strong in the spirit. That means he connected with the Lord. That means that he was, he was on mission and he really, if you know the story of John the Baptist, he did not mess around. And he pretty much could care less about what others thought. Can I get an amen? As a believer, as a Christian, someone who's on mission, I cannot get distracted by those people. I will love, I will care, I will, I will bring in, but I'm not gonna get distracted by what Jesus is asking me to do. And I wanna invite you in on that same track that John the Baptist did as well. He fulfilled prophetic scripture uh, in Malachi and Isaiah about one who prepares the way of the Lord. Uh, Malachi 3.1 3, says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Jesus quoted that scripture. Um, he was a preacher on repentance and baptism before Jesus's ministry began. Okay, man, this guy was committed, right? He understood, he, he knew what he was supposed to do. He knew his mission. He had it down. Man, preaching repentance before Jesus was even around, preaching baptism before Jesus was even baptized. I mean, he was on it. You could probably say, man, this is one faithful dude. That's a man of God right there. And because he was so focused, he had a lot of followers. He had a lot of disciples. He baptized lots and lots of people. He had a very successful ministry. Baptizing people left and right. People would come out in droves to be baptized by John the Baptist. And then Jesus comes. And Jesus comes walking in to where, Jesus, where, where John the Baptist was baptizing everybody. And Jesus is walking in and John says these very words. He says this, look, the lamb of God, the one who takes the sin of the world. This is Jesus. He's coming in. He's the Messiah. He's coming in. And this is what John stops everything. And he says, the lamb of God, the one who takes the sin of the world. This is phenomenal. John understood. He got it. And then Jesus comes and he says, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And he kind of freaks out for a minute because he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, there's this moment of like, what are you talking about? That's why, hey, go sign up to be baptized. Jesus himself wanted to fulfill baptism himself. So he was baptized by John. In that very moment of baptism, John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens broke open, okay, broke open. A dove descended onto Jesus, representing the Holy Spirit. And God the Father called out, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist witnessed the Trinity right there. I, every time I read that passage, I go, that's the Trinity right there. I mean, phenomenal. He got to witness this. He got to be part of this. It's, it's incredible. And now John was in jail. Fast forward to where we are because he had a ton of passion he had a ton of followers and people were incredibly intimidated by it. So they put him in jail and now he was locked up and he's locked up for quite some time. And I can only imagine he might've had some doubts. He might've had some questions. You sit in jail long enough. I don't know this. I was gonna say, like I knew. I'm gonna guess you're gonna have a lot of reflection time on your life. This is John the Baptist. He, he, he is 
sold out for Christ and the message of Jesus and the gospel. He's sold out. And now he's reaping the fruit of that by being in jail because people want to just stop it. Knock it off, man. You're not going to create a following. The following was due to the Roman government. Like the following needed to be to the Roman government and that was a major distraction. So here's John the Baptist. He's in jail and he has his disciples and his disciples come to him and they help him out and they talk with him and they, they meet and probably minister to him and then they, they get sent out for whatever John's asking and then they come back and they have this, this, these continual exchanges. But there, here's this moment where he says, hey guys, I, I want you to go to Jesus and I need you to ask these questions. And the questions are this, are, are you really the one? Are you, the, are you the Messiah? This is, this is John the Baptist. Anyone else? Fine. But John, who baptized Jesus, witnessed the Trinity, is doubting and have, has questions if Jesus is Messiah. Are you the one? Or, or, or should we maybe expect somebody else? Just feeling it out. Just want to see where we at, Jesus. Are you truly the Messiah or, or goodness? Have I been wrong my whole life? Has my faith been false this whole time? The older you get, sometimes those questions creep in. The longer you've been a, a Christian in a valley, surely you get to ask those questions. And you go, is this God, is this Jesus God thing, is this church thing real? Is, it, is, this, is he really who he says he is? You know, John had his expectations of who he thought Jesus should be. I surely have had my expectations of what Jesus, who Jesus surely should be in my life. And I'm sure all of you have had ideas or expectations of, of who Jesus should be in your life as well. And I bet if we were to line all those up, none of them would be the same. I have my thoughts, you have your thoughts, but Jesus has his mission. We have my expectations versus Jesus' expectations. So John sent his disciples to ask these questions because John had different expectations of Jesus' mission. See, Jesus had this mission, but it looked vastly different than what everybody else thought it was going to be. His expectations of Jesus were his own stumbling block. You know, he thought along with a lot of the others that Jesus was gonna come in and overthrow the Roman government or somehow figure out a way to set them aside so that the people of God could could come back and remain and, and have their place. And, and that just wasn't it. And by the way, I imagine it doesn't say this in the text, but I'm going to read into it because, hey, I'm the one preaching. If you want to get up here, you go for it. But listen, could you, Jesus and John are relatives. Jesus has power, authority. He's, he's, he's proven his miraculous ability. Don't you think John might've been like, why isn't he getting me out of jail? Why? Jesus, dude, I've been working for you. I've been doing all these things for you. And now I'm in a pit. I can't do anything. I'm about to die. And yet, you're not getting me out. I don't know about you, but I can feel a little bit of bitterness. A little bit of a, 
dude, I don't understand. You could get me out and I could, I could get more disciples for you, man. I'm all in. You know it. So John's going, maybe, maybe Jesus isn't who, maybe he's not the Messiah. Can you feel the doubt? Can you, can you understand the doubt in all of the heartache that we've all had? Absolutely. Absolutely. Should Jesus be doing something different for you? Maybe helping you in the way that you think he should help you? Or are you patient to wait on him? We open our hearts and we wait for you is what we just sang. Do we have the boldness to wait for the savior of the world to meet us where we are, to walk us through the depths and the valleys and the pains and all of it? I have one of those stories. I have many of these stories actually. I was trying to decide which one to share because I can't share them all. Some of you know the story. When I was, a, I was a youth pastor in Santa Cruz for several years, and uh, man, I got pulled into the, the pastor's office. It felt very much like the principal's office. Anybody feel that? Like, the boss wants to talk to me? Oh, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, well, the bad thing did happen. He wa- I walked in, I sat down, and he said, hey, um, I got to let you go. It's, this isn't working. He didn't say you're fired, but I was fired. Pretty much right on the spot. It's really weird to say that I got fired from being a youth pastor when I'm a senior pastor. Can I just say? (laughs) I mean, he said things like, if you ever become a senior pastor, you'll never be any good. Man. Knock a guy down, like kick a guy down while he's, or kick a guy while he's down. You know, it's interesting though. I had all these expectations of Jesus. We were, we were on track, Chris and I, to, to pastor somewhere. That was the goal. We were, gonna, we were gonna do this youth pastor thing for a while and then, hey, we'll see what God has and we're gonna go pastor somewhere. And then to get called into the office and go, hey, I'm letting you go. You got 30 days to find a home, find insurance. I know your wife's pregnant with your third son, but I'm sure he'll work it out. Good night. No, 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 no. That's not God's plan. (laughs) That's not, Jesus, that's not your plan. Fix this. Like, fix it. This is not, like, I didn't do anything wrong. Might not have been that great of a youth pastor, but I wasn't, I was, I mean, being a youth pastor is hard. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Like, but I was going for it. So it was, it was one of these moments where I, I had to really wrestle with God. Because I had my expectations, I had my thoughts, I had my dreams, I had all of these things lined up. We were gonna go do this and we were just waiting on God to open up the doors to go pastor somewhere or whatever. I had no idea about Chico at all. I mean, I've been here because my in-laws, of course, but I had no idea in my, in my mind heart at all that I might pastor this church ever. I had to wrestle with the Lord. And in my wrestling, I had to release control. I had to release these expectations that I had on the Lord and for me and and our future. And I had to allow the Lord to do this. I had serious doubts and fears in myself and in the Lord. But you know one thing that remained? My faith. 
in the midst of doubts and questions, you don't have to lose your faith. In fact, if you allow your doubts and your questions to remain while you walk your faith out, your faith will become stronger. But some of us try to bury those things because, oh, man, I don't know, I can't really bring that up. I can't talk about that. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't, I'm unsure, whatever. But the Lord is so gentle and kind in the way he approaches us. So here we have John, the man who should have known that this was the Messiah, sending him and asking him these questions. These questions that we probably all asked Jesus. And we've got to remember a couple of things. Number one, that Jesus' ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He, he's, he's so much smarter. <laughs> he's so much more wise. Uh, Jesus also says, I only do what the Father's will is. So Jesus is committed to the will of the Father, and so therefore I should be as well. So I'm gonna trust him along the way. And by the way, the other thing we need to realize is that we are not Jesus. And we can't love as well as Jesus either. So when our faith is getting challenged by our feelings that say, well, that doesn't sound like a very loving God. Well, are you gonna love more than Jesus? Absolutely not. So I've gotta, I've gotta walk my faith out in the tension of my, of my doubts and my questions and I need others around me to walk this out with me. And that is why, yet again, it's so imperative that we would uh, collectively walk together in community. We need one another. Can I get an amen? In your doubts, you need other strong believers to come beside you and walk with you through doubts and questions. That's what we're here for. That's why we do life groups. That's why we have times of prayer and ministry. That's why we're always doing this every day. We're always available. Faith is an active place of trust, even when our doubt, with our doubts and questions. Isaiah 40, 31, actually, it's up here. On the, on the wall, but it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Another word for hope is wait. So in the midst of adversity, in the midst of cha- challenge or trial, in the midst of like, man, I've got so many questions. Lord, why are you doing this? This is not the route I was supposed to go. My life looks a lot different now than it should have when I was 20. But yet you are where you are. So I say, Lord, okay, have your way. Have your way. And I will wait upon you. And when I wait and I hope in you, when I do those things, you're gonna renew my strength. You're gonna put me on wings like eagles. Uh, One of the promises I had from the Lord after sabbatical was I, I don't have to run anymore. I can walk and soar like, like wings like eagles, and the Lord is going to do more than I ever did trying to run as hard as I used to. So Jesus responds to John the Baptist. I want to talk about a couple of points here. Number one, he reminds us. Jesus reminds John the Baptist in the scripture, in the passage where Jesus responds to his, his disciples, the very first thing he, he shares with him is, hey, go tell John all the things that I've been doing that I've been healing the sick, that I've been healing the, the lepers, that I've been raising people from the dead. And, and he quotes several messianic prophecies from, from the Old Testament. And this is his way of talking to John in code because he knew John, he knew John's mission, he knew John, was a, he knew John understood scripture. And so when he shared those things, he knew, John, you'll, you'll get it, buddy. 
you'll understand immediately when you hear your disciples share that, hey, Jesus said that, hey, he, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, he's doing all these things. John's gonna go, oh, thank you, Jesus. That the word of God would be so powerful to allow us to rest and find strength and stability in the midst of chaos. For John, it was in the midst of walking to his death that he knew was most likely coming. So Jesus quotes these messianic prophecies, several of them through that, through that passage. And then secondly, he instructs John. He gives him a, a touch of a warning. And he says, hey, hey, listen, John, tell, tell John. He says, uh, blessed is any who do not stumble on account of me. And he said, John, listen, this is the way Jesus is saying this. He says, John, don't let your expectations of me stumble you up because I've got different expectations. I've got a different path. I've got a different mission. And if you would just follow me, I will clear the way for you. You will not stumble if you follow me. But if you have your own expectations of me, you'll stumble one time after another, after another, after another. So you don't have to. You don't have to worry. You can rest and watch and see what I'll do. Do not let doubt distract or displace your faith. Did you hear that? Don't let the doubt, the stumbling block of doubt, distract or displace your faith. Blessed if you, if you do not stumble on those accounts. And then secondly, he encourages John. Or third, sorry. He encourages John. And I I love the picture it sets up. Jesus shares the messianic prophecies and he says, hey, don't, don't stumble on account of me. And then John's disciples are like, oh, good, we've got what we need. And they, it looks like they're walking out. You know, it looks like they're going back to John and, and Jesus begins to speak this out while they're walking away. So you see this progression of, of Jesus starting to share to the crowd as his disciples are leaving. And this is what happens. He says these things. He says, um, <clears throat> he says what did you go out in the wilderness to see? And he begins to talk about John. And I can only imagine his disciples are, are kind of walking, but they're like, I still want to hear what Jesus has to say. You know, like, I want to know what, what is he going to say about John? And so I can picture them waiting it out and hearing what Jesus says. John should have known not to ask those questions. Jesus responds with grace, encouragement, instruction, care, love. He could have been like, John, you moron. Why are you putting doubt in the disciples, man? Like, just stand strong. But he doesn't at all. So for those of us who have been in the faith for a really long time, it's okay to have your doubts, but watch and see what God does through them. So his disciples, they, they start to leave, and, and Jesus says things like, hey, you know what? You guys, I want you to know, like, there's nobody greater than John. Not a single person born of a woman has, is, has been greater than John. And you know what they did? They took that message. It was like a personal note to John. Saying, I love you, man. I think so highly of you. I think you are the most amazing human on earth. And this is his love and care for us. That even in the doubts, even in the despair, even in the questions, he goes, I got it. I got you. I don't mind at all. I want to walk with you. I want you to know. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. So Jesus had every right to dishonor and disown John. 
but he loved and encouraged and had great compassion on him. As the worship team comes up, I, 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 wanna, I want you to picture this with me. So that happens, right? And, and in the text, in the scriptures, in the gospels, there's no reference of the disciples coming back to John and what they share. This is me reading into it. But I imagine that they went back with this message, right? This was their pattern, right? They would go out, they would, they would preach, they would do all the things, and then they'd come back to John and he'd help and instruct and, and send them out again. And that's usually how that happened. And so they were coming back from, from the time with Jesus, these disciples, and, and they were friends of his. It's not like it was this real hierarchy thing. It was just like they were doing life together and they saw John as their teacher, and they came to him and, and with respect, and they, they, they shared this with him. They said, they said, John, check it out. This is what Jesus said. He said, this, these are the prophetic words that he confirmed that he's been doing. And, and you know, we've all seen it. And, and I just imagine that alone just put John at ease. It put him at peace, right? And then, and then they go, yeah, but you know what else he said? Check it out. He said that you are the greatest person to ever live. John's in prison. I have a feeling that Jesus knew what John was about to go face. The greatest trial of his life, walking into being beheaded. Not not only a few days later. But he had friends in his life that connected with Jesus, that brought him a sustaining word from Jesus to him in the moment of despair, that puffed him up, that gave him the ability to put his head up high, to, to, to stand firm in his faith and to say, I did it. I made it. I, I walked this out. Oh man, I almost slipped up there. Oh, thank you that Jesus has so much compassion on me. But he had friends that loved and connected with Jesus. Are you hearing the message this morning? In your doubts, in your questions, we need friends that connect with Jesus, that bring a message to us that say, you can do this. You've got this. Keep your eyes on Christ. Don't grow weary in in doing good in due time. Just come on, keep going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Can we stand together? I wanna just give you an opportunity You know, maybe you've just been in a land of doubt, you know? You've just been in the desert of despair or whatever you might want to call it. And and maybe you've been worried about asking those questions or maybe you've allowed those questions to actually deter you from your faith. And I just want to encourage you. It's okay to have your doubts and, and faith simultaneously. But you need to have these people around you that say, hey, let's go. Let's talk about these things. Let's encourage each other. Let's pray for one another. Let's keep pointing to Jesus. Let's see what he says. Let's get into the word. Let's find the truth about what the Lord says about these things. That have the sustainable factor of, man, Jesus is with me. Can I get an amen? So that's why life groups, that's why being, being connected with the body of Christ is so vital. But this might be your moment where you say, hey, I'm, I'm surrendering my life yet again or for maybe for the very first time to Jesus today. That this is the moment that I'm saying, I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna live in that doubt anymore. I'm standing firm with you. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you give us an opportunity to respond to you this morning with 
just such appropriate humility saying, Lord, I know I ask so many questions or I have so many doubts, but yet you look on me like you do, John, where you say, I love you, I see you, I, I have compassion on you, and it's okay, I understand, I relate with you and your doubts. So Father, I pray that each of us in this room would, would just surrender those to you, Lord, that, that we would walk with those with you, Lord, as we, as we maintain the faith, Lord. I pray that those questions and doubts and insecurities even would, would strengthen us as you speak through them. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, as we read your truth, Lord, that you would dispel any, any false narrative, God. That we would do the hard work of, of seeking you out and building relationship and having people in our lives that, that say, oh, wait, wait, no, 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 put your eyes over here. That's where Jesus is. May we have people in our lives like the disciples of John who, who just encouraged and equipped him from Jesus's word. So Lord, we respond to you and we say, we're all in, Lord. We're all in with you in every way. Amen. Let's worship. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night.
you died and rose again, so you are alive and well, and you speak to us today, Lord. Thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. Lord, you heal our brokenness. Lord, you meet us in the dark valleys. God, and you celebrate with us on the mountaintops, Jesus. God, I thank you for what you're doing even right now in this moment, God, for the places that people are being set free, God, right now because of the work that you did on the cross, Jesus, because you took our, our sin and shame. God, we thank you. We give you all the praise and the glory for what you've done and for who you are, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.